Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, November 1st. And we're, you know, the World Series is, I stayed up too late watching the World Series last night, everyone. It was so much fun. Seeing Houston come back. Yes, we live in Texas. So, yes, we're rooting for Houston. Like my wife said, if we weren't rooting, if, they, if we didn't have a Texas team, we'd definitely be pulling for the Braves. So, it's a great World Series going on if you aren't watching it. But <laughs> between the trick-or-treaters didn't happen, so we have this big, <laughs> big uh, bowl of candy that we're supposed to handing out. Well, we ate too much chocolate ourselves, so that cost for a night. But anyway, so if there's a little extra energy in it, it's the chocolate that I ate last night. We're so grateful to have you here with us. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals, and we're here for mortgage professionals, although we have a lot of real estate people listening in on it, builders and the like, interested in those interested in the industry. But we're most grateful for you, our listeners. We appreciate you being here. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anywhere, anytime. And we appreciate so much of the feedback. Again, we may have shared here recently about the feedback we received from the conference at the conference at the NBA conference. Much better attended than anticipated. Great conference. Loved it. Kudos to the NBA. Um, you know, the, the whole NBA team, of course, Marsha Davies is so responsible for so much of the things that happened behind the scenes. So we're really pleased with it and it was outstanding, but anyway, good to have you here. And thank you for all the great comments from all of those who were at the conference who passed on, um, the fact that you're a listener and you really enjoy the podcast. Really appreciate it so much. I want to say that we've got as a hot topic is someone that I have respected in the industry as a leader for many, many years. She's just an amazing person. Kimberly Nichols, um, a senior vice, a senior managing director at Penny Mac. And uh, she's going to be talking a little bit about giving an update on diversity and inclusion. We're going to also talk about uh, what's going on in the wholesale channel that she heads up for uh, Penny Mac. But uh, she's just one of my favorite people because I, I tell you, she's not all that. She had triplets. So how does, I mean, there's working moms and then there's working moms of triplets. She's amazing both at a personal level and a professional level. And we're so blessed to have her joining us on the microphone here in the hot topic segment. So we put out some promotions on it and they put out promotions and oh my gosh, I got so much feedback. A lot of people are really dialed in and listening to and ready for the comments. I also give a shout out to Ludwig. Uh, who is uh, Ludwig is their advertising agency. Barbara and the team there do an amazing job. So Ludwig Plus, thank you for helping make this all happen. We are proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. I tried to enunciate that really well because it gets caught in my teeth once in a while. But anyway, also grateful for our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. I had a great interview with Michael Frattentoni. Got a lot of positive feedback. That's the interview I recorded 
while just using my cell phone going back and forth like it was a microphone, the audio came out, but the content was really, really good. If you haven't listened to it, go back and do so. Also caught up with our friends at Finastra. They're doing a great job with the mortgage bot solution. A lot of new innovation coming in with them. They're now the number one fintech company in the world. You know, when you look at a company and you look at the leaders, like Penny Mac, a leader in the industry, you pay attention to what they have to say. So be sure to check out the interview that we did with Karen Jenkins on October 4th, talking about some of the things about the importance of the user experience and, and, and the customer experience. So there's CX and UX. A lot we could talk about that. But So check out that podcast. Grateful for their sponsorship, as well as Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops do a great job of helping lenders connect with each other in their, of their same size, uh, something that the uh, TMC has, the Mortgage Collaborative has, which is the Collabs. They do a great job, as well as Lenders One does the same similar thing. But it's really important that we connect with each other, hear about each other's struggles and uh, what goes on in there. So check it out. Um, could go on and on about both of these co-ops. I, we're members of both of them. Pick one or both. That's what we recommend. They definitely get involved. It does not replace the MBA membership. But do get a member of one of these co-ops. You'll find that you'll benefit from it, especially in these times where shrinking margins, what are others doing about it, how to respond to technology that's coming out. These two co-ops will do a good job and help you with that. Also, this Community Mortgage Lenders of America Association, grateful to be part of them, uh, CMLA, as well as Incelerate. Josh Friend does a great job. Again, that interview from uh, June 21st that we did with Josh Friend, still getting radically downloaded because of the radical things that they're doing inside their company to connect you with borrowers. Great borrower engagement platform. Also, when you're recruiting, you got to look at Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modex. Both of these companies do a great job of bringing empirical data when you're recruiting LOs. Also got some great intelligence, business intelligence, BI out there. Everyone's talking about BI and data. Well, both these companies have that going in a big way of what's going on in the real estate market and the realtors that are doing well. And again, a special thank you to our newest sponsor, SnapDocs. So thrilled to have Amy Moses and the entire SnapDocs team with us on the podcast as a sponsor. Check out SnapDocs. That name does not describe all that they do. They're what they're doing in e-closings. Is they're, they're fast becoming the leader in e-closings. Check out eMortgage, everything SnapDocs. Appreciate it. One of the up-and-coming companies, and you will want to get to know them. Also want to say a special thank you to those that are regulars on the podcast. We have, of course, our beloved Alice, who's been here for 13 years since the beginning of the podcast. We also have Rob Van Rapphorst. We have Les Parker. We have Matt Graham. And uh, we have many others joining in on the podcast. Got to get Jack. Uh, Jack uh, nunnery has been on the podcast here with me. I got to get him back on and working with me. But Alan, you're in there. I failed to mention your name, but uh, thank you to all of the regulars for their contributions that make this podcast so successful. But most, again, most important, we say thank you to our sponsors. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst of the MBA for this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, MBA submitted recommendations to FHFA on the new equitable housing finance plans for the GSEs. The recommendations emphasize transparent oversight and an evaluation process for the plans and notes that FHFA should undertake a rulemaking to ensure these efforts remain durable 
regardless of how long the GSEs remain in conservatorship. The creation and implementation of these plans is an important step in addressing our nation's longstanding challenges related to housing equity, particularly with respect to the racial homeownership gap. And according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey, the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased to 2.15% with an estimated 1.1 million homeowners currently in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me. Mm-hmm. Good job, Rob. Yeah, I mean, to the announcement. That's what he was just talking about, what they're making recommendations. Um, but I'd like to find out from some of you out there, we're hearing some reports of increased action by the CFPB. If there's any of you that could give me some feedback on that or welcome that, we're hearing reports of that, which is a little concerning. But there's at least some good movement what's going on at FHFA. So Sandra Thompson, listen to her speak. Very encouraging. Of course, the big news about the appraisal, you know, they're going to desktop appraisals. And uh, uh, desk appraisals will be hopefully speeding along the process, dealing with a big uh, bottleneck in our processes. Speaking of what's going on in the markets, let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets. What do you have for us, Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Fed tried so hard and got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. Compare the Fed, WeWork, and mortgage bankers. They all try hard. The Fed tries to stimulate the economy, but in the end, it really doesn't matter. WeWork burns millions in cash trying hard to outrun the flames. Now investors have lost their enthusiasm for unicorns who prioritize rapid growth over profits. When mortgage lenders focus on production and not profits, then investors and warehouse lenders abandon them. Because in the end, growth doesn't even matter. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Yeah, definitely go out and do that. And when you do subscribe, put in the word power or power seller, and you'll get Les's subscription that he usually charges for. You'll get it for free. So sign up. Encourage you to do that. TMSpotlight.com. Matt Graham is here with us with a pre-recorded comment. Matt couldn't join us live, but we're always grateful when he puts in a word. Be sure to check out MBS Live. So we're about to hear from Matt Graham, founder and CEO of MBSLive.net. Love this guy. I love his commentary on what the market is. So <laughs> I tease him about being Eeyore. Ta-ta, FN. So here, fun for now. So here we go. <laughs> Graham's report. What you got, Matt? Hey, everybody. This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live Market Update. Last week began for the bond market on a positive note, and that continued for the first three days of the week. This brought much-needed relief after several weeks, really nearly a month, of steady weakness in longer-term yields. The highlight of the middle of the week was essentially front-running of the European Central Bank announcement, and that was scheduled for Thursday morning. But uh, by Wednesday, European yields were surging lower, bringing U.S. yields along for the ride. All told, that brought 10-year Treasury yields all the way down to 1.52 after being as high as 1.7 in the previous week. So that is a pretty nice recovery and something that was uh, very nice to see after three to four weeks of steady weakness following the September 22nd Fed announcement. 
more on that in a moment as that is integral to the bigger picture developments. In terms of economic data, we had both home price reports on Tuesday morning, Case Shiller and FHFA. They slowed down a little bit. Let's just focus on FHFA for a second. It came in at 1% month-over-month growth for August versus 1.4% in the previous month. So not as fast as it was, but 1% is still very big in terms of home price growth. More importantly, all it had to do was really come in flat in order to solidify expectations for conforming loan limit increases. Granted, the headline HPI, Home Price Index, for FHFA is not exactly the same as the expanded quarterly data that's used to calculate conforming loan limits, but it's close enough that we can now safely conclude that the 625000 thing that's going on for quite a few lenders is more than safe. In fact, with the gains seen in August, we're probably closer to 633-ish. And if we get something even remotely close to uh, this number in the next month's report, which happens at the end of November, then uh, conforming loan limits could easily be over 640000 or at the very least in that neighborhood. So uh, a little bit of interesting news for those of you that have been trying to figure out uh, where loan limits would be. But to reiterate, they have not been updated yet. They won't be updated officially until the next FHFA home price report comes out on November 30th. As far as other data for the week, consumer confidence, stronger than expected, 113 versus 108. Uh, New home sales, stronger than expected, 800,000 versus the 760 forecast. Then we moved into Treasury auctions for the week, and uh, Wednesday's five-year Treasury auction was quite strong, helped bonds gain additional ground, and uh, sort of added to the rally that the European Central Bank sparked in the morning. Durable goods came in weaker from the previous month, but stronger than expected at negative 0.4. Then on Thursday, the big to-do was the GDP announcement. We don't normally put a lot of stock in GDP because it is a very backward-looking report since it covers an entire quarter's worth of data. But in this case, it is the advance, or it was the advance report, meaning that it's the first look at Q3 we've had. And there was a lot of speculation as to where the thing would come in because the uh, median forecast among economists was all the way up at 2.7, whereas tracking indices like the Atlanta Fed's GDP now was all the way down at 0.2, so not 2.7, 0.2, effectively no growth in Q3. This led to some speculation or at least just some chatter that the actual number was going to be much weaker than forecasts were calling for and thus provide the bond market additional reason to rally. Some people even ascribed strength earlier in the week on these expectations or these whisper expectations for a much weaker than expected GDP rating. So by coming in at 2% versus the Atlanta Fed's GDP now, for instance, at 0.2, those fears or expectations or whisper numbers were basically squashed. Uh, We saw really no major reaction to the GDP data when it came out on the 28th. Uh, There's a little bit of volatility in the morning, but uh, more movement actually later in the morning as Europe moved back in the other direction. So we had uh, 
European yields leading U.S. yields higher by the end of the day, and then as soon as Europe closed, we flattened out. That's been a constant theme this week where a majority of the volatility that we've seen on any given day has occurred during the hours that the European market is open, and then we either flatten out or push a little bit back in the other direction when Europe is closed. And that just underscores the importance of foreign central bank policy on uh, domestic market movement. We've seen it with the Bank of England, Bank of Canada, European Central Bank in very clear fashion on several occasions recently, and there's no reason to expect that won't continue. But everybody's favorite central bank is the Fed, and that is the big to-do for the week ahead. Uh, granted, we do have other data coming out this week. ISM manufacturing is already out, no major reaction. Non-manufacturing on Wednesday, and then, of course, the big jobs report on Friday. But uh, Wednesday afternoon brings the Fed rate decision. No decision to be made there, obviously. Rates are going to remain unchanged. But the decision to announce the tapering of the Fed's bond buying programs has already been made. And, you know, barring catastrophe, really something crazy would have to happen in the next two days for them not to announce tapering. Everybody's betting on it, and they'd be foolish to forego the opportunity. So some people are wondering if the Fed is tapering and if 2013's taper tantrum was really, really bad for rates, what does that mean for this week? Are we destined to launch to even higher rates? And the answer is emphatically, nobody knows. Uh, if we are going to launch to higher rates, it will have nothing to do with the fact that the Fed announces tapering on Wednesday. Markets have known this for a while. They've telegraphed it more clearly than they've really ever telegraphed anything. And if we look at longer-term charts, we can see that yields have risen nearly as much as they did in 2013 in advance of tapering. We can also see, based on past precedent, that when the Fed backs out of the market, either via the scheduled end of a bond purchase program or by an, uh, a tapering discussion and then a tapering official announcement that bonds have actually rallied after that, counterintuitive as it may seem, and I know we discussed that last week as well. So there really is no rising rate implication associated with the tapering announcement itself. Now, the Fed does say other stuff, and they will say other stuff this Wednesday, and uh, the more interesting stuff they may comment on is the rate hike cycle and the timing and quantity of potential rate hikes. Markets, especially Fed funds futures, which bet on uh, Fed funds rate levels at various points in the future, have priced in two rate hikes for 2022, and that has been a rapid and recent change. So if the Fed were to corroborate that, it would cause further drama in the yield curve, but not necessarily for longer-term rates like 10-year yields and mortgages. Um, mortgages would be caught in the crossfire to a greater extent than 10-year yields because the average mortgage lasts less than 10 years, so it is more similar to something like a five-year treasury, or at least you know splitting the difference between a 10- and a five-year treasury. But uh, the big drama we've seen is in the spread between things like five-year notes and 30-year bonds or between two-year notes and 10-year notes. All these yield curve trades have been the talk of the town as far as bond traders are concerned, and uh, there's no reason to expect that to stop anytime soon. The interesting question will simply be how much will MBS and mortgage rates be caught in the crossfire? I think more than anything, the bottom line is that uh, don't fear the taper. 
We have seen this before. Markets knew it was coming from the moment the Fed began buying bonds in 2020, and uh, yields have done a really good job getting in position for what they know is coming. And so where we go from here will depend on new things that happen, new things that we discover, as opposed to things that we are already able to predict with near perfect certainty. That's going to do it for this week. Back with you guys next week. As always, remember, Lickin' on Lending listeners can get a free extra double-time trial to MBS Live with no credit card requirement by entering the code LOL in the sign-up screen on mbslive.net. Good job. Appreciate it. Now you know why I give him a bad time about Eeyore. He has got that just down low-key voice. I love Rob. I, I mean, Matt, I love what he does. I love what he brings to the podcast. Get a lot of compliments when I was at the conference on his content. So, Matt, thank you. And definitely sign up for a service. What did you hear? The jobs report coming up, some of the volatility that could be coming into the markets. And uh, then don't fear the taper, but, you know, I'm a little nervous about it. I don't fear it, but I'm nervous about it. But it all speaks to potential volatility. Well, you need to have a tool that you can use that will be able to give immediate updates on what's going on. That's why you need mbslive.net. So sign up for it. Rob makes it a little extra special because you get to have a trial period a little longer than normal, but definitely want to sign up for it. Let's get over to Alice Alvey. Alice is here, CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home, and she's got our legislative update. Alice, so good to have you here. Well, it's good to be here, Dave. And, you know, uh, listening to Matt's report, it's great that he has that calm voice as he talks about (laughs) all that market fluctuation. You don't want anybody that's overly excited like you and I. You want that calm demeanor, right? And then now I think he came up with, like, Les Parker's next bit because you guys keep talking about don't fear the taper. And all I could think of was don't fear the reaper, the Blue nope. Oyster Cult song. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It's not going to be that bad. <laughs> That's good. Oh, appreciate you. Anyway, uh, but, uh, yeah. oh, well, thank, yeah, we appreciate Matt. It's great info. Yeah. I was uh, listening to every word there. It's fascinating. So, well, uh, my update, a little granular on some agency stuff. So, first of all, FHA mm. does have their revised handbook um, on the drafting table. What I love about what they do now is now they highlight all the words that they've changed. Mm-hmm. It used to be, yeah. you know, we would all sit down and have the two books open Very side compared. by side in the old paper yep. world and have to go figure out, all right, did they add a comma that completely changed the meaning of something? Um, so in this 4,000, there isn't, there aren't a ton of changes, but a few little things that some lenders were doing because they may have gotten uh, answers from FHA and others weren't. So they cleaned up a couple of things. Uh, one that they are highlighting is that you don't need to verify 12 months of payments on time for a mm-hmm. contingent liability as the result of a divorce. So I love when yep. we don't have to get extra paperwork. Uh, oh, yeah. You don't need an access letter for a joint account. Uh, let's see. And then there's some information in there that's really just trying to loop in third-party responsibilities on appraiser independence and then adding the verbiage for their new FHA catalyst system for the appraisal <laughs> portal that will be yep. rolling out in March of 2022. So, um, you know, not not anything super earth-shattering with the new 4,000, but a few uh, tips and tricks here and there that will uh, originators love, I think. Uh, the other update I have is just Jenny May issued an uh, all-participants memo in APM uh, clarifying the seasoning requirements on VAs and that and how it would apply if you are refinancing a modification. 
So the way it was worded in Chapter 24 of their guide, it was a little kind of mixed up, whether you were talking about a modification itself, you know, Mm -hmm. of a loan that you have in servicing that you're pulling out of a pool and putting back in perhaps, or you're actually a lender like us, maybe we've got some other lender's loan and we're refinancing that loan and the borrower um, is in a modification or the loan has been modified. Um, So just they're getting some clarification out around that. And I just want to give lenders a heads up that, and actually our special guest, Penny Mack, I noticed they had some clarification too in their guide that was uh, very helpful online. You know, that this has been around I think some lenders are feeling, is this new guidance? Is this old guidance? But you could see enough of the good shops out there had it already in place. And just a heads up to companies, you want to take a look at this right away. Make sure you've got some systems in place to catch that that VA loan, you are refinancing a modification. If you miss this, you have some challenges. And modifications aren't there with flashing red lights in a loan file. You've got to dig for Mm -hmm. red flags and sometimes go the extra mile. So just a heads up uh, from lenders that right now we, you know, it does appear even with the heading of the memo that Jenny May is calling this a clarification. So that, which means your pipeline has to already be in compliance with this. Um, The other quick thing I'll let you know is just don't forget to catch up on Fannie and Freddie's changes for condos as a result of that structural collapse that uh, was so devastating in Florida They now have uh, some extra requirements in place that everyone's going to have to make sure they're on top of. You know, you think of the liability that goes beyond just the building and the mortgage, but the the liability for the project of the people who are around there um, and are, you know, secondarily impacted. So it's a really big deal. And as lenders, it's a new territory to tread to make sure the appraisers are giving you complete information and the homeowners association also on any litigation pending and any possible structural defects. So make sure you're talking to your teams about that and getting them all up to speed. There shouldn't be any surprises on that one. Everybody should be, yep, we're on board. We don't want to lend on that project either. So that's my update to you, Dave, and back to uh, back to the show. Dave, back to the show. You are the show. You are the show. Adam. You are the show. <laughs> anyway, so good. Excellent. I mean, there's some great stuff in there. Um, that condo story, I was wondering what, at what point it's going to have uh, ramifications from that because I thought of the lender. I thought, I mean, well, first of all, I thought of the lives, the lives that are lost. And, but you start looking at yeah. how, what is, the, what is the, how do we go back to something that was built so many years ago and the structural defects? What is going to be required out of that? But really important that we look at it. So good job. Thanks for highlighting that. One of the questions that just came in from our listeners, one of our listeners, uh, and it also echoes Bobby Nicely over there, who's one of our faithful listeners at, at a call oh, yeah. Morgan, who you talked to Bobby. He's, I mean, he's called yeah. in and uh, it puts you in touch with him answering questions. But one of them has to do with the newly recently announced. Um, got three, three, four more questions came in all coming in. Ask Alice about their <laughs> new appraisal. What are the desk appraisal? How are they handling it? What's Union Home Mortgage doing? And uh, is it a wait and see? I mean, is there basically... You go read it. You know they're basically extending. I mean they they lost more with the option. Uh, it was a special option they had for a while. Now they're making it permanent. But how are you guys responding? Or what are you hearing lenders responding to this? You know I don't have any insider information that I mm-hmm. uh, you know right now at all. I think at the end of the day we're just going to have to wait and see what the feedback messages come out to be. You know, it'll be that you get the feedback message that says it's eligible for the 2055. 
I think mm-hmm. there is a lot of pressure on Fannie and Freddie to offer some relief to the extent that we know they are very capable of in this industry. I mean, the pressure has to be on them to say, look, we are struggling to get appraisals. You have data. Let us leverage the data. This is a borrower benefit. It's not us trying to take a shortcut. Your loan is still properly secured. Uh, So we don't know how much of this we'll see. And uh, once it rolls out, we'll, we'll be able to share more. But yeah, that was quite the big scoop of information without mm-hmm. a lot of detail that happened at the MBA. <laughs> so we're all anxiously. Yeah, I know. I love the big announcement. Everyone's cheering and go, okay, that's good. <laughs> what do we do with it? When do we do yeah. it? How do we? Yeah. There's the rest of I, us on the street going, now what? Yeah. Now what? Yeah. I think one of the yeah. things that, I mean, the two big bottlenecks, you look at the process, Alice, and you, you, with the training in Union Home is so progressive. I think that's why so many people line up, look at what is Union Home doing. On that front, just mm-hmm. like Penny Mac is very progressive and sort of like get Kim's feedback here in a little bit. But when you look at where is this going, what are the two bottlenecks, appraisals and title? And that if, yeah. if there's new things developing in title that are really interesting, we're going to get some uh, companies coming on the podcast to hopefully address more. But lots, lots coming down, but there may, there's, there's initiatives underway. Uh, and I, I promise I will share once I hear something, but as yeah. of now, I don't have anything. Well, I've been calling around, too. I'm not hearing anything other than, well, we're looking at it, and we're going to go back and use what the old option was and work with that until uh, it comes forward. But it hasn't – I mean, they're launching it. It, has, it is not back yet. So what do you do with that? Well, we'll find out. Find out what uh, Penny Mac might be doing. Alice, thank you so much. You are beloved. Uh, like Kim said, oh, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity when I talk to you and we were on the pre-show comments. You, you do such a good job, and the content that you bring out is always so meaningful. Thank you so much for adding to the value of this podcast, Alice. We truly love you and appreciate you. Stay out of that amazing husband of yours, Andy. I will. Well, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. That. Let's get over into another amazing contributor, Alan Pollock, here with the tech update. Alan, they're getting a so he's getting a new roof, folks. So he calls on early on. Hey, I'm going to be getting a new roof. <laughs> there may be noise in the background, so <laughs> we'll understand what you got. Yeah. Well, thanks for understanding. So one is I'm going to throw out a really bad Halloween dad joke, and then I'm going to get into some fun stuff. Um, so the bad joke, David, is what's a ghost's favorite dessert? It's ice cream. <laughs> ice Oh, that's bad. That's bad. So yeah. ice cream. Yep. All right. Yep. Don't hang up just now. We got good content coming. We promise. Good job. So based on his bad jokes, you know, don't David, they, they love you, bad jokes. I know. Yeah. So um, it, it's kind of funny. We talk about you know the appraisals that Alice was just talking about, and you know potentially do we allow for um, desktop appraisals? A lot of people ask me a question, and I don't even have the answer for it. I'm going to just raise it, which is who actually raised all the values of the homes, right? Did, did the demand become so low that people overbid and pro- homes sold for a higher price, and then new listings just said, hey, they went for a higher number. I'm going to go for a higher number. The mm-hmm. appraisers said okay, or was there enough people that continued to say okay to pay for more than what the homes were worth? But ultimately, we, we created a new benchmark of home prices, and that's mm-hmm. a big question. What is the answer to that question, right? Who actually allowed the values to rise? Was it purely just a a part of the demand and the rise or the shortage of inventory? Um, Do you know the answer to that? Or do you want to take a a shot at it? Well, I could take a lot of shots at the speculation, but (laughs) (laughs) I seem to get myself in trouble, so I'll, I'll avoid that one. 
Well, we can answer it another time. But um, for the folks that asked me that question, I'm sorry. I, I don't have a perfect answer. Um, so, David, today I thought we can talk about global warming. We mm-hmm. can talk about all the supplies that are floating in the Pacific. Or even better, we can talk about – that's right. Or even better, we can skip all that, and we can talk about how to engage your internal technology staff. There I you think go. that's more important. There you go. But first – that's on the sweet spot of what we're talking about here. Get, get this. This was the big shocker this week. Seven months after a $16 million Series B round, get mm-hmm. ready, digital mortgage platform Maxwell has raised $52.5 million. There Now a, a source has told Bloomberg, and I'm reading some of their comments, the latest financing split between $28.5 million in equity and $24 million in debt values them. You ready? $450 million bucks. Hmm. That's a crazy, crazy, crazy. number, yep. uh, especially since Maxwell, is, there's a lot of competition out there. They've done some wonderful things. They By have. the way, you, if you know, they've got a fulfillment platform. They also recently launched Maxwell Capital, acting mm-hmm. as a dedicated investor for small banks and credit units. So unbelievable strategy. They're driven. They're doing great. Um, check out Maxwell. Get this, David. We also know Flowify, right? They're more of a platform that a lot of brokers were just using their credit cards to pay for, one off, two off, not so much with the enterprise platform. Well, they just sold $90 million. They sold to a company, uh, property um, technology, prop tech called Porch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Porch Group actually is the name of this. Um, It's a Denver-based company, Flowify, if you don't know too much about them. Uh, It costs Porch about $76.5 million in cash and $10 million in common stock for Porch. And they're going to be investing to further help Flowify's customers stand apart, get this, by making home purchasing and moving the process, and moving and the moving process much easier for borrowers. Mm-hmm. So it seems that having the online, right, front-facing point-of-sale technology platform is a way to create a service that fits all. Even if you have partners that are within it, you create one experience, right? One omni-channel experience, and that's what everybody wants. Well, David, get this. The news just keeps on coming. Rocket Mortgage has partnered with Salesforce to bring more technology to lenders. It's going to be called Mortgage as a Service, and it's going to be in the financial cloud of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. For a, it'll, it'll support a POS and LOS for financial institutions. How about that? that and, if you, and if you didn't think I had enough amazing news today, it gets better. <laughs> It gets better. So there's an article in National Mortgage News, and it, it yeah. was it parlayed perfect into what we were talking about today, called "How to Build a Better Tech Stack," and they've got five items. I'm just going to list them real quick, but it, it's so spot on. If you're looking to build a new tech stack, you need to consider these five things. You ready? E-lending, yep. web-based and mobile-based browsing solutions, OCR and ICR, automated data gathering and analysis, and AI and rules-based workflow. That mm-hmm. article couldn't be more spot on. Yes. If you're looking to revise your strategy, you're looking for new vendors, go read that article because there's a little bit of content around those five topics, but it is spot on. What the article doesn't talk about is how to put a tech staff around it. Right? You're going left, then squirrel. You read this article, you move right. What do you do, right? And so one thing, and David, you and I have talked to many people about this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bet not a lot of people have this, but the question is, do you have a technology board of advisors? Do you have an executive group? Not your corporate executive group, but how are you driving tech strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Remember the question a long time ago, David, about many, many podcasts ago, 
is a CIO, a CTO, is a CTO, a CIO, and the difference between a VP of technology, we probably should dig that back up. That would be well, a good one. Those folks, yep. Absolutely. If, if you've got the same guy who built your system as the same guy who's your CIO, CISO, CTO, you get the acronyms, right? They keep going. Yep. Is that really your tech strategy? Did they graduate from fiddling and managing and playing with those systems every day to actually being part of the corporate strategy to drive profits and to reduce costs and to accelerate your brand? That's what you need. You need an executive group or a specific team that's circled around your tech strategy. And this article is on Forbes. It's a really, really good article. I'm going to talk more about how to work with offshore development next week, David, or get further into this. But I just, I just wanted to kind of bring this up real quick because it's just so good. Um, and it's called 16 – I'm only going to read one or two – 16 ways to keep your tech team happy and motivated. And because it's in Forbes, I like it because they've talked to a number of people rather than an opinion letter that's in you know, another place right. online. And what's really good is, get this, share good and bad news equally. And for many of us, right, especially on the tech side, you always hear bad news. And you always hear things that we're going to do in the future. But how often do you share good news? Even if it's nothing more than a customer that sent an email that said, you guys made my day. Thanks for getting this done quickly. Share that with that tech staff. They need to see that. And not just your management tech staff. Yeah, just, share yeah. it with the guys that are actually coding. The next one, David, is regularly review performance based on tangible metrics, right? Be able to set a goal and show your team, show them that they've achieved that goal and spread the news. Challenge them and create new opportunities for them. Tech folks sometimes don't want to sit in the bubble and do just that forever, even if it's a temporary project that you whisk them away and you give them some special, you know, uh, mission and you complete that mission and you come right back and you still continue to do wonderful things. They want opportunities. They want to do new things. And the number one thing I'd say out of everything I just went over, David, we'll end the segment today on this is give them work life flexibility. Mm -hmm. Give them time. Let them know family comes first. Let them know that they're important and they are family, but their family comes first. And that's probably the most important thing to keep your tech staff happy. So interesting you bring that up because I was just talking to another company and uh, to an individual who just resigned on that one issue and had a yeah. death in the family. And uh, he, he, he was made to feel guilty for almost going to the funeral. And then when he, when he got back, yeah. no one asked him anything about, so how are you doing? What's going on? It, it's amazing how sometimes insensitive we can be, but maybe that's why I'm so excited about our upcoming hot topic because who we have coming on is just plugged Absolutely. in all of that. That's a great job of managing it all. Alan, thank you so much. Appreciate your tech update. Good to have you here with us. Folks, if you're listening, by the way, that was Alan Pollock. If you want to reach him, many of you do, get a hold of him at Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at TMS-advisors.com. That's his email address. He works as an advisor. He works on boards. He does a lot of stuff. <laughs> so when the band sleeps, and he's got three girls. Three? Do I have the right? Three? Three daughters? Oh, yeah. Yep. College and, uh, shopping for one right now. It's definitely huh? a unique process. It's probably just Uh-oh. as complicated as the mortgage process. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I look forward to uh, having you back on next week, Alan. Thank you so much. Got a lot of feedback on your segment as well. It's great stuff. Appreciate Thank it. You. Folks, if you're listening to us now, live, just stay right here. We're going to move into the hot topic segment. If you're listening on a downloaded basis, proceed on to the next topic because we're going to start the hot topic now. Welcome, everybody, to the Hot Topic segment of the Lickin' on Lending podcast. It's November 1st, and I am so excited to get have on the microphone, joining me on the microphone, Kimberly Nichols. 
And uh, Kim is Senior Managing Director at Penny Mac Loan Services, LLC. And she's going to give us an update on diversity inclusion, something that she has been really involved in, as well as just kind of talking about what they're doing in this space. Kimberly, heads up. Kim, heads up. Um, known Kim for so many years, so we, we're going <laughs> to make it more personal, Kim. Uh, but anyway, Kim, good to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Appreciate you. I'm so excited to be here, David. I have listened to your podcast for so many years. I feel like I know mm. everybody personally, and to get to talk to Alice live this morning in the pre-show is so much fun. Yeah. And uh, I just appreciated the content that you put out there. It's it, it's technically so rich, and I learn something every single time I listen in. So kudos oh, to you and your regulars. It's it's always so informative and helpful. And a big part of the success of the podcast is the Hot Topic segment, and it's because we have guests like you, Kim, coming on. And, mm-hmm. and again, I, I respect you at so many levels. People that know you know what I'm talking about. You have managed the work-life balance like few others. You've got a great marriage. You've got you know triplets of all things. I don't know how in the world you do that. And you maintain such a positive, upbeat approach to business and your relationships. So I, am, I was really excited uh, when your, uh, your marketing firm and your uh, private, uh, your uh, PR firm, Ludwig uh, Plus, reached out to us. Uh, kudos to Barbara and the whole team there. They do an awesome job. And we've got Ashley listening in to make sure I stay inside the guide rails. So, Ashley, thank you so much. She's texting back and forth in the background. So, got a great team you surrounded yourself, Kim. And that's really one of the things we want to talk about. But before we go there, for those that do not know who Kimberly Kim Nichols is, give us a little bit of your journey in the mortgage industry. Sure, sure. I love telling this story because I did start in the industry as a teenager, and it all started in a closet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's good. Let me explain that. Okay. So you're a closet um, mortgage banker initially. Okay, got it. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So I was actually fresh out of high school, and I was going to college, and and I was looking for a part-time temp job. And I had previously done some work. My dad owned a small trucking company when I was growing up. And so I did some invoicing and dispatch work for him along the way. So I put on my resume the shipping experience. And so this temp agency, not knowing anything about mortgage, uh, puts me into this position, a temp position with a shipping ah. department at a mortgage company. Ah. And I literally spent all day long, David, in a closet that was converted to a copy room, no windows, you know, eight <laughs> hours in there every day. Oh, my gosh. Oh and, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I photocopied loan files, and uh, I kept seeing these were all being delivered to this person named Fannie Mae who lived in Beverly Hills, and I thought, this Fannie Mae must be something, you know. And uh, as I was doing my photocopying, the executives (laughs) would come in, and and they would, yeah, they'd interrupt my copy job, and I'd just talk to them and ask them questions. And and Mm. I started learning more, you know, and and the more they shared with me, the more I wanted to know. And then I'm just, like, hooked, you know, this this business, you know, I could see it. It was truly fascinating, dynamic, and uh, that's how it all started. that's, that's a great story. Your dad was at a shipping or had a trucking company, worked at shipping, and then you, the temp agency didn't know the difference. But what a great place to start in the industry, too, because when you start there, that's where you're looking at the sum total of everything that's happened uh, in the business. And it's, it's a great way to get in and understand it. But you have done such an amazing job in the industry. You've been in it 
you know, when we're talking, of course, to women or other people, we just want to be respectful of the time. So it's been many decades, many, many decades. And you're just a true one of the professionals in this industry that we love it for many, many reasons. But if one of the things you've managed and I'm getting questions in, one of the first questions came in is that from our listeners just came in just now says, how has Kim managed that triplets? Wow. How have you managed a growing career and not just a career that has done well, but you, you're a celebrated executive. You're a thought leader in the marketplace. How did you manage that? I think this, I know this person is a female and uh, has at least one at home, possibly two. Well, I think in a lot of ways, you know, that being in the mortgage industry prepared me for that kind of parenthood, and then that kind of parenthood prepared me for the role that I have today. So it's been this little cycle, right? It feeds off of each other. But I, I can tell you uh, the reason why I've had career success while raising a family, and, and let's just say it wasn't easy at all times. You know, it, it becomes very challenging, and, and I think um, women can be op- a little bit more open about you know how stressful it can be, and I, I try to listen to that with my team. But it was really having a supportive leadership, supportive mentors, and being in the right culture every step mm. of the way makes such a difference in, in how we we balance that and how supportive or how supported we feel in our workplace. And that's the differentiator. Oh was really the support and leadership that I've had been very very uh, fortunate with that yeah, and, you, and a great you know a great partner with my my husband kind of sharing yeah. the load and, and that kind of thing i love that i love the pictures of facebook of you and your husband it's just it is it, it just looks so good i mean and it is good not only does it look good but it is good let's talk about something that's near and dear to your heart is diversity inclusion you have been a leader in the marketplace when it comes to diversity inclusion we were talking as we were preparing for the podcast well, Marsha Davies has started with Empower and what an impact that is having on so many. And I'm such a big champion of that and believe in it. But talk about what your experience and journey has been and why you're so passionate about diversity and inclusion. Oh, sure. And, and really what, what Marsha Davies and MBA is doing with Empower is, is such a great movement. And I had such FOMO this year. I couldn't make it to the Empower mm-hmm. event. And I was seeing all my friends on LinkedIn and just the power of that whole experience that's being built. And, and it's truly a gift what these companies are doing to send people send women and men for that matter to this event and, and participate in it. So, and it just seems to, to get stronger every single year. So my shout out to uh, Marsha Davies and, and MBA and the empower movement. Uh, and like I said, you know, mentorship, culture, leadership, support have all been factors in, in my ability to have a great career. So, as I sit today, I really am in a position to give back and then really bring those elements that have contributed to my success into the workplace here at Penny Mac and in our industry to foster that in, in women who could be future leaders in our industry and bringing, you know, more, more women into leadership positions. I, I, you know, I think, you know, um, Namba and Tony Thompson and his group are doing some great things to drive, um, you know, not only um, gender diversity, but ethnic diversity, you know, just a more diverse workforce yeah. into this it. industry. 
Tony's doing a great job. You know, Penny Mac, um, oh, he's he's doing great. And we just became a diamond sponsor of of NAMBA, too. So we are looking forward to uh, really engaging there and and realizing some of the benefits uh, around that membership. Um, And Penny Mac is doing some really cool things to drive diversity and inclusion here. Mm. And I'll talk Mm. to you about one uh, that I've been personally involved with, and it's called WeMerge, and it's really a business resource group for females in our company. And my colleague, Abby Tidmore and Tracy Hunter, two great mm. female executives here at Penny Mac, and myself, we founded that in, a, in an informal structure, I want to say six, seven years ago, of wow. saying, we have some great women here at Penny Mac. We should get them all together. Let's have a networking event. So we started this little networking event, you know, just kind of started organically. And then, you know, our chairman, Stan Kerlin at the time, and, yeah. and David Spector, our you know, current CEO, said, we want this to go enterprise-wide. We love this. Good. And, and mm. let's formalize it. Let's take it enterprise level. And mm. so it just took off from there. And that was really the formation of our first business resource group here at Penny Amazing. I love, I love that, especially when I hear it's being supported. I knew Stan from his previous inventors uh, uh, that he was involved in, such a leader in the industry, and it's so nice to see that it's embraced and being braced all the way through. Uh, on that. I want to get Alice in on this because this is a, a topic near and dear to Alice as well. We're going to get into some of the things you're doing at Penny Mac in just a minute, but Alice, I'd love to get your thoughts. Any questions you have for Kim? All right. Well, do, um, I, I don't know where to start. Kim, it's so wonderful having you on the show. I'm so glad somebody already asked about how did you manage with triplets because that was going to be my question. <laughs> I had two kids and they were nine years apart. Um, boy, that was overwhelming. <laughs> Uh, congratulations <laughs> to you. But the um, I think, Dave, you know, just sticking on the diversity and inclusion part and the women's group, you know, how do you keep that going? So it was wonderful mm-hmm. that you had the foundation. What are some of the core principles, you think, to keep that going at a company? You know, people say, oh, I want to get together and, you know, let's make sure we're sharing ideas. How do you, how do you guys do it? Well, you know, it, it's been an evolution, and we really actually drew from experiences of, of other companies as well because you would try some things, and that, that event wasn't the best, let's go this direction. And so it's, you know, kind of listening to, you know, that, that membership, you know, listening to, to the core of the, you know, the female workforce here and what their needs are. And it's, it's just, it's iterative and you know, now what we've done is we've transitioned from executives having the, you know, committee posts, if you will, and, and running the organization to we had members raise their hand and say, you know, here are the, the four or five positions you can take on as leaders of WeMerge. And then you bring, you know, that the membership in, they have an opportunity to foster their leadership skills by taking a leadership position in the resource group, and they're coming forth with even more ideas that I think serves the female community even more than, you know, I'm sitting here as an executive thinking, what do I think they need? But then the membership is coming forth with all of these amazing ideas. And uh, mentorship uh, is, mm, is a go. big theme. It, it, it is so big. We hear it all the time. 
I would like some mentorship opportunities. And uh, we, we see that across uh, all of our different BRGs here at Penny Mac, and we have a number of them. Um, we have a black BRG, veterans, LGBTQ+, uh, Hispanic and Latin, Asian and Pacific Islander. And so we, we have established you know, the, the construct of having our, our BRG members be the leaders of these organizations. And then you see you know, these future leaders emerge from the membership of the BRGs, and it's, it's fantastic to watch. That is uh, that's that's amazing. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Alice, what I was thinking about is the comment that I commented last week when you listened to um, Malcolm Gladwell talking about why we need to get back to work. And it's really about the mentorship and what he picked up when he sat next to Bob Woodward, uh, Bob Woodard, uh, the famous um, reporter, journalist. And he sat there as a new journalist and studied and watched him. And I think we pick up so much of that while in the workplace. So can't wait to get more of your perspective on that. But there's so much we could talk about, Kim, with you here as a guest. One of the things I want to talk about is some of the growth that Penny Mac is experiencing and your commitment to wholesale. Most people, I mean, we consult mostly the mortgage bankers and uh, that some of which are in the retail, some of which are in the wholesale business. But most of the Penny Mac, when you mention it, most people say, well, we know them as our correspondent lender and a really good one. Talk about your commitment to the wholesale channel. Yeah, so, so we're really excited for our growth in the wholesale channel. You know, we launched the wholesale channel uh, in, in really initially in the non-delegated space uh, mm-hmm. about four years ago. And then right. in parallel, we were building out the, the, the broker channel and getting our technology ready to enter that space. And so we're now um, you know, about three and a half years into, into wholesale in, in the broker sense and just had tremendous growth. And we sit here you know, as, a, as a top six lender in, in the wholesale channel. And we're uh, continuing to, to innovate around tech and really you know, closely examining the, the broker experience and the channel. And, and what, we're, what we're really seeking to do is just really bring all of the capabilities of a large-scale tech-enabled lender into that, you know, call it the, the office of the single LO broker owner mm-hmm. and, and equipping them with all of the capabilities that these scale lenders have. And, uh, I mean, that's what's so exciting about tech is that we really do have the power to do that. And so oh, that's, that's our commitment to, to the broker channel is to bring in all those capabilities so that the brokers can compete with large-scale lenders, whether they're call center or distributed retail. We want to give them all the tools to do that. Yeah, and you have some great technology that you have developed over the years. Uh, Alan had to drop because he's got roofers in the background. So, But he's commented about that. And I've sat in meetings. Alan was previously involved with uh, Loan Logics, and I worked, consulted at Loan Logics, did a lot of work. And sitting right in the middle of the room and in the middle of every discussion with some of the Penny Mac executives and what they're doing. So I see how your commitment is to technology. How have you guys balanced technologies? One of the questions just came in from our our sponsor, so I'm injecting it in here. I mean, one of our uh, listeners. I'm sorry, I, I don't know if it's all one of our sponsors, but anyway, it's one of our listeners who's listening and saying, "How have you balanced that? Because there's so many technology choices out there. Have you created your own? Have you uh, gone out and, and acquired off this platform? Just real quickly, touch on that if you wouldn't mind." Well, it, it's so funny when Alan said, "You know, squirrel, right?" It's <laughs> there's so much out there, and it's yeah. it's a matter of you know 
finding the right technology that fits in your tech stack that solves a particular you know business challenge and you know it, it's really easy to get you know caught up in that shiny object syndrome yes, and so what we're really committed to is looking at various pieces or application tech applications that really will truly drive value for our customers and uh, like you can look at something it seems really really cool and man I want that and then you step back and you go hey how is this going to drive value for the customer and, mm-hmm. and so we really talk about that a lot and, and we maintain a, a lot of discipline around that uh, you yeah. know Silicon Valley has really woken up to the mortgage industry, right? They, yeah. they see us. We've had a couple of really great years. Everybody's investing in technology. You're ready to kind of move away maybe from some of the legacy systems or applications that you have. And now Silicon Valley is like, hey, you know, that's and you mm-hmm. see all these fintechs popping up. There are a lot of things that are popping up. Some of them will be transformative technologies that will really help our industry. Some of them are going to be, mm-hmm, you know, not so much. And so it's our job to, to really try to, you know, distinguish which, which are going to be the transformative technologies to, to integrate. Uh, but yeah. one of the things, you know, around technology, David, is, is really when I say Silicon Valley has woken up to our industry, what, mm-hmm. that's not just with fintechs and new application technologies coming in. We're seeing talent being attracted to our industry, and that's what's been really exciting for, for PennyMac is to take that Silicon Valley-level tech talent, marry them up with a, a business person who has a great mortgage IQ or, yeah. or tremendous operating experience, and mm-hmm. you see them, you put them in the trenches together and see them collaborate, it is like magic. And it is. Uh, that, so that's been been really a great thing that's starting to take hold here at Penny Mac. We're seeing some cool things happen in that realm. Yeah, well, you you guys are such leaders in thought leadership. And another thing, when we were talking about this, you talked about Penny Mac having data scientists, and they've done a lot of work and predicted the FHFA's new loan limits in a narrow range in the past five years, and this has given you a significant advantage in the marketplace and so how did PayMac first get to market with the increased conventional loan balances? Again, a great example of the leadership, thought leadership, and innovation that comes out of PennyMac. Yeah, we have a team, we have a data science team that really looks for, you know, many, many applications to leverage our data into decisioning and workflows and, uh, you know, numerous applications for that. And, and sometimes it's using our internal data and, and sometimes it's using external data. And it's been like sport for our data science team. Every year, you know, they write it down. Oh, we think that the FHFA loan limit's going to be here. And sure enough, they've been almost spot on, you know, just within a very narrow range for the past five years. And this year, you know, we've heard, you know, mm-hmm. Kay Schiller, FHFA Home Price Index, almost 20% year over year, uh, we wanted to step in as soon as we could and give the market some relief, you know, especially some areas that didn't have high bow before, you you know, Dave, David down in your world in Texas really yeah. was in need, you know, with the appreciation down there, especially in Austin right. and some of those markets. We wanted to really step in and, and give our customers uh, in the correspondent side, the broker channel, some advantage to go out to their referral partners and say, hey, I can help you now. 
and uh, you know, it, and they had something to position that was unique to them as well. So we were excited to do that and help you know, more and more consumers who are, are lining up trying to buy properties and, and having to wait, you know, on jumbo financing to come through, got some relief from that. So we were happy to, to, to bring that to the markets and then expansion of the high bow limit um, here at PennyMac to 937.5 yeah. was another thing. And uh, uh, the folks here in California in particular were pretty happy about that as well. But uh, I mean, there are so many applications for, you know, use, using data in this industry. Well, that, that um, came, can, that you came, know, it's powerful. Yeah, but that came out so clearly when we were at the conference, walking through the booths. There's always been some level of data we do. We analyze data. There's business intelligence that massages existing data internally. But your data scientists are looking at both internal and external. And I'm looking at the number of questions. We just had 10 questions come in from listeners right now, texted into me. Um, that are all saying, would love to hear more about the data. I want to get, so is is there any more insights you could share with them? Because I know we could go, we've got a whole podcast just on data. What's the mix of internal data versus external data uh, that you, that you look at, Kim? Or that your data. Right, I mean, I think it, it, you know, it's it, it really depends on on what you're you know what you're trying to accomplish, and um, you know, internal data, you know, we use you know for driving business rules, driving workflows, mm-hmm. driving communication, and uh, but the important thing, you know, just around data is you think about it. At the end of the day, on a mortgage, uh, that the after closing and everything, the fungible product is really a data yep. set and a note, right? And then yep. and then you have your you know, your process data that you can take to refine refine workflows. You can look for anomalies. You can use it for risk management. So that we could go, oh my gosh, I think we could spend, you know, a couple hours on that. And I'll quickly get out of my league here and want to see to <laughs> our, our chief information officer, CIO, uh, Lior, because he's so much fun to talk to uh, about all of this, as well as, you know, we've got our data scientists here who, who could, yeah. you know, go into a lot more detail. But I'll, I'll give you yeah. one example of, of how we're using data sort of in the, in the broker channel is, uh, you know, we we look at uh, various uh, uh, metrics to say, hey, is this you know is this broker's business um, driving efficiencies for PennyMac? And we'll look at various data points, and then we bring that data back to our brokers. And clearly, the same data that's going to you know drive efficiencies in our workflow and keep costs down. Also, if you look at those KPIs. And we help our brokers focus on those KPIs. It helps them improve and enhance the client experience. So not only is using data great mm-hmm. for PennyMac in our workflow, but it's also great for influencing the client experience at broker level. And you know, the brokers really appreciate that. You know, one of the things we look at is you know complete submission. You know, the, the consumer doesn't want to be nickel and dimed for you know, mm-hmm. at different times for various documentation. They want to go to their files once grab everything they need, give it to their loan officer, right, and have it come through. Well, everything all at once is going to create a much cleaner approval and and faster time to close versus, oh, you know, here's another thing, here's another thing. So um, our brokers, (laughs) you know, really, really love that, and they they eat that up. Yeah. Again, we could go on and on about the innovation 
about what goes on at Penny Mac, but I really want to talk about the wholesale channel and a, a bit more as you talk about. I'm looking at questions. Man, how fast the time goes, Kim. It's just we're, we're burning up on our last of our few. So this will probably be one of the last questions to come in. Let's get a few more from the listeners. But one of the questions is, you know, there's the the concept of ownership, ownership, home ownership for all. And I, I believe you guys have, have really been advocates for that. But where are the boundaries on that? And how are you managing that balance? We were very encouraged by what we heard Sandra Thompson say, as well as what we heard from um, what we heard from uh, Secretary HUD, Fudge uh, of HUD. And so we're seeing that. But how are you guys looking at that? And how do you balance that, the risk factor with the growth opportunity? Sure. And, um, you know, we did sign the homeownership pledge with the MBA on all three and we Good. think that this initiative is just so important. And look, owning a home is such a big part of building wealth and generational wealth. And, mm-hmm. and this is our opportunity to do our part in addressing not only the, the racial home ownership gap, but also making a difference in racial inequality in this country. And, and really mm-hmm. think of the roles that we all have, David, in, in this industry. I mean, we can drive true social impact. But we have to do it right, and um, and you know we'll be looking to FHFA and you know Fannie Freddie and the MBA to help drive some of these initiatives to go down this path. What's really important as we do this is that we're not you know stretching affordability and in in you know putting we need to put people in in homes and have them succeed in home ownership. And everything that we do needs to be, it, it's got to be sustainable. And uh, I, I think, you know, in reading some of the comments that came out of the MBA convention, some of our regulators, I think, you know, as an industry, we are all focused on sustainable home ownership. And so I think that if, if we maintain that focus, these initiatives will be very, very successful. But it's going to take, you've got, you know, industry and, and you know, uh, mortgage bankers and banks and credit unions, and you've got to bring government and regulation all into line mm-hmm. to align yeah. around these initiatives. I mean, we require, you know, rely on liquidity, the secondary market. Um, so, so all of these products, you know, need to be fungible uh, in the in the secondary market. So we'll we'll look to see. But it is really exciting. I love the focus coming out of the MBA yeah. and um, just the way the industry is rallying around this. It's, it's really great. It's such, I mean, the social impact is so powerful that we can have, and we're so fortunate to be involved in an industry that can make such a difference uh, in the lives of individuals and, and, and society. I think it's awesome, and Penny Max is doing Absolutely. an awesome job. Awesome job. And you're doing an awesome job in the Wholesale Channel. Congratulations. Let's wrap it up with this one last question. What is the most important thing you want our listeners to know about the Wholesale Channel and Penny Mac? What is it? What would you say? Well, I, I think that at PennyMag, what I keep hearing, what's resonating in the broker community, is that we have a great tech experience, and you know we're this large-scale lender, but we've really maintained a true sense of connectedness with our customers, listening mm-hmm. to customers, listening to their needs, and when we take that feedback, we have a very strong feedback loop to make changes in our process and our technology. And so um, that's something that as we grow is, is truly important to, to me and this whole team at PennyMag is really maintaining that sense of connectedness 
to our brokers and small community mortgage bankers and the non-dial channel uh, to make sure that their voice is heard and that we're, we're changing to align with their needs. Well, so glad that you guys are doing that. I'm so glad that you have um, the commitment to this important initiative throughout that, that uh, we create as much uh, homeownership for all as possible. I'm so pleased with what the MBA is doing now, what we're hearing out of FHFA and now even uh, Secretary Fudge of HUD. It's all very, very encouraging. Absolutely. It's yeah. and I think when you bring in data science, all the technology that you guys have, and it's really partnering, Kim, with the right leadership. And you bring so much leadership to Penny Mac and, uh, and to the industry. And I'm just delighted to finally get you on the podcast. It's such a joy. So much respect oh, for you. It's so been many. so much fun. Like I said, I've listened to you guys for so many years, and then to actually get to be here live and part of it is just such a treat for me. Thank you so well, much, David. You're, you're, you're surrounded by a great team. Uh, Ashley and I have been texting back and forth as we're doing this, so she's doing a good job. You've did an awesome job here being here on the first time. We got to have you back. I have a we've got so many questions we could ask you based on all the listeners' tips. Also, a shout out to Ludwig Plus. Uh, specifically Barbara for also making this happen. Great, great uh, PR firm and all that they do. So you guys work with the best and that's not surprising yeah, why you guys are the best in the space. So thank you for being here, Kim, so much. Appreciate it. Greet your husband. Thank you, David. You Thanks. It. Take care. You bet. We've had as our special guest again with us, uh, Kimberly Nichols, Senior Managing Director, Penny Mac of Penny Mac Loan Services, LLC. She is uh, working in the wholesale channel and doing an amazing job. She's a true professional, guys. If you guys are looking for someone to just, how can I, how can I, who should I follow? Get around people like Kim. She just does follow, get to know her, get to understand what she's doing, what she's about. And uh, your career will be better for it. You'll be better for it as an individual and a, as a person and personally and professionally. Folks, so good to have you be with us. Next week, we've got some exciting uh, topics coming up. We're working on one particular guest where I, won't, I can't quite announce it just yet, but I'm very excited about continuing the topic on how do you connect with people. I want to say a special thank you with our, for our sponsors, to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, the mortgage uh, lenders, uh, I mean, excuse me, the mortgage lenders, uh, mortgage bankers conference here, as well, mortgage bankers, and the MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association. Got all these emails coming in, text messages coming in. Ask him this, don't hang up, keep her there. It's really fun. Well, good to see you guys connected to this to the interview today. <laughs> Moving on, it's distracting. Anyway, Mobility MMI, Momotics, uh, Knowledge Coop, uh, the Mortgage Collaborative, uh, Lenders Live, uh, Lenders, everybody. Anyway, so much fun having you. Some of the comments, Kim, if I could just read these, they're really joy. You have a lot, you have a large fan group out there that supports you in all that you do. So it's been delightful to have you, and thank you so much. That's, uh, you've got a big fan club out there. It's amazing all the feedback we're getting in. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week. Be sure to check in on the website for the notes on this, and you can download this and share this with many others. You want to share this podcast specifically. Appreciate you. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.